0: Show. Welcome along to Season 2, Episode 6 The point of the previous season where we stopped counting the episodes
1: But I don't get the impression that you're going to do that this time <laughs> I think you're like an England batsman I think it's You're pleased I... to have got six runs and you're looking to get seven I think I literally just forgot last time, but now it's more in my head yeah, and did, So when you then started again, did you have to go back and count all of the episodes so Once we got to sort of like 23, because you did start counting again I think Luke told me Okay Is that cheating? Uh, no, 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 no. That's, that's okay. That was very honest of you. Actually, I, th- I thought you'd say, "Oh, yes, you'd put in a lot of work." Uh, welcome a lot. You can tell that there wasn't a game on Saturday uh, because yes, <laughs> we're we're here for the next hour. Uh, we we'll talk any old rubbish uh, and and some serious bits as well. Absolutely. I've got a game to look forward to though. Indeed, we have Oxford. Uh, yes, indeed. Um, You know, I always think with Wickham We don't have that big, big, big sort of derby game But we have lots of little ones And Oxford definitely falls into that category You know, along with, I think, MK Dons uh, Colchester, obviously Peterborough these days Um, Possibly possibly even Luton as well I'm sure somebody told me once I don't know if this is true But our nearest league club is Brentford Is Brentford, yes, yeah No, I've heard that Whereas I don't really think of that as a You know, if we we were playing Brentford Obviously Slough Town for older listeners (laughs) It's the big one uh, but Oxford is definitely up there uh, for for me uh, It would be nice to get one over on them on, on Saturday
0: We'll hear from uh, manager Gareth Ainsworth to uh, preview that And uh, find out what he's been doing on his weekend off
1: We will be talking uh, to the manager of Wiccan Wanderers Women Dave Ward ahead of their new season
0: And we'll be hearing from another Dave it, uh, David McCracken, a uh, former defender who signed from uh, Dundee United I remember it well
1: Oh yes yes he's and he's done well in the, the scottish game i see as well
0: absolutely yes we'll finding out uh, more about that uh, and uh, looking out for uh, um other successes of former players in, in free I didn't know where that was going to be honest. I thought yes and what else are we doing
1: it's going well so far uh, we'll be uh, reviewing some of the international games that we've been played. playing uh, we'll we'll bring you some of the news as well such as the fact that uh, the Ipswich game has been rearranged for the 2nd of November there you are I've already brought you that news now 7.45pm kickoff.
0: listen up for that news again later indeed, on indeed yes <laughs> it will be coming up
1: you don't win anything but it will be quite fun <laughs>
0: So yes, lots to look forward to in this hour of episode six of the Wickham Wanderers show. Uh, But first, some sad news this week.
1: Earlier on this week, we had uh, the news uh, that Wickham legend Glyn Creaser um, suffered a cardiac arrest at half-time in a benefit match that he was attending at Stevenage. Uh, Joining us to tell us more um, is JDT. Uh, Lovely to have you with us, sir.
2: Thank you very much indeed. Well, actually, he wasn't only attending, he was actually playing.
1: Ah, wow. Okay, I I wasn't sure about that, because it wasn't made very clear that actually whether or not he was playing, and I I did Um, wonder. Which
2: he shouldn't have been, Ah. having previously suffered a heart attack. But that uh, sums up Glyn, really. Uh, Typical uh, man who uh, is there for everybody... Um, but it was it was a strange way we learned about it. The Ex Players Association. We had a meeting on Monday morning, uh, which Pete Keig was coming to, and uh, I couldn't attend. And I, I phoned and left a message with Glynn to say, "You're the only man on the committee modern enough to have a phone that can uh, FaceTime. Can uh, can you take it with you so I can hear what's going on?" And I got a reply fairly shortly saying no, and I thought, oh. Um, And I I just sent another back, why? And he said, because I'm in hospital. And I said, why? And he said, because I had a heart attack and died. And I thought, God, that's taken it a little bit far. But anyway, obviously, uh, we then had a further discussion. He did have a heart attack, um, and he was so lucky that he was uh, at a ground where they had a defibrillator, and they had a very switched-on doctor um, who attended him straight away, and um, the serious side of it was that um, his heart did stop four times, uh, but they got it going again at the expense of 14 broken ribs. Can you believe that? Um, And then, of course, he was taken to Stevenage Hospital, and uh, they uh, worked on him straight away, and, in fact, at the same time put in three stents, um, which suggested he would have had a heart attack at some stage. But uh, if, if you can be lucky in that way, it was lucky that he was at the place where there was a defibrillator. Um so Glenn's luck for once was uh, was in luck
1: I mean Joe, just as, as it did uh, watching that, that Denmark against our uh, Finland game during the euros uh, you know i 've got goosebumps just listening to what you 're saying, um, and you just as you rightly say, you completely appreciate the fact that actually this happened where it did in a football stadium, where there were doctors, and where there were defibrillators uh, You know, just a, an incredible story um, it is, and as it's you say uh, you know, it very, it very
2: amazing, and in fact leading on from that we 've talked to uh, Wick and Wanderers to see whether a they have them in place. We think there is one at uh, at Am's Park, but we we want to help. Uh, get some in places where perhaps they're not because it is absolutely vital, you know, for, and not just for, um, you know, big pro clubs, but for little clubs, uh, around everywhere. I mean, there's some terrible stories this last week about, you know, six year olds just suddenly dropping like a stone and, and coming out afterwards and saying, you know, if there had been a diff, a dif- there, um, they could have been saved so you know we might be able to do something good actually coming from this
0: and obviously we wish um glenn all the best in such a speedy recovery and, and as you well know he was our first uh, guest from the rx players on on our first show um or our first uh, X players um feature that we, that we spoke to and and so brilliant to hear about some of the battles that he's had both with with injury but and on on the pitch as well so hopefully that will help in his recovery well
2: it, it- I've um, been in contact with him because he's using his modern phone and uh, he tells me that he's hopefully going home uh, almost immediately, which when you consider the thing only happened on Sunday is absolutely quite remarkable. Uh, He may have to go back in for a pacemaker. And, uh, as we suggested to him, well, that might speed him up a bit because, uh, he wasn't the fastest thing on earth. But of course, as he would say, well, he didn't have to be, he played center half and, uh, yeah, as as you rightly said, he told his story so well on the very first programme. Um, I mean, he was a key man for, for Martin O'Neill, and he was so much appreciated by his fellow pros that when they went to Wembley for the second FA Trophy in 1994, he'd already had his confrontation at John Lewis with a forklift truck which most other people would have meant he probably would have lost his foot. I mean, that's how serious it was. But within uh, 10 months, he was back playing. He wasn't available for the, um, the trophy, the second trophy game. Uh, but the team insisted that he was the man that went up and uh, collected the cup. And, of course, they won promotion that season. And again, he was only able to play a couple of games that season, but again held in such high regard by Martin that he kept him on, even for the second season. And although, you know, he was never the same Glynn, he still played 15 or so games in the uh, old second division, which for a 32-year-old guy who thought his career was ending when he came to Wickham is quite remarkable.
0: And he was such a great leader and obviously a, a huge fan favourite as well.
2: Uh, he, he's, a, he's just an inspirational kind of character. And, and that's why we wanted him on the X-Players Committee because uh, his nickname, as you, as you know, and most people know when he played, was The Enforcer. And uh, that's what he did. He Everybody around him had to do what he said. Um, and we thought if we got him on the committee, he could then ring up all the odd bods and say, Oi, hey, why aren't you... Uh, um, why haven't you signed up for the Prize Association, or come round there and sort you out, mate? And um, so we've we've had people and um, people from some distance away, you know, ex-colleagues Dennis Green, uh, Tim uh, Tim Langford, uh, Kim Casey, who don't live anywhere near here, uh, who've joined up because of uh, because of Glenn, and so he's still. Got a role at Wickham Wanderers. And I know Martin, I tried to get a hold of Martin today to give him the news. Uh, and I know when Martin hears it, he will be distraught because he was the guy that led his team on the field.
1: He's also, uh, Glyn Creaser, if, if you'd asked me of all the people that we've interviewed on the programme, which one would go along to a benefit match and, and still play even though he wasn't meant to, I would have said to you, I think that was probably Crease.
2: Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I mean, this was a side that uh, and a player he played with in the early 1980s. Um, I'm not sure he's even seen that, that, that person uh, in the intervening years, but he's that kind of guy. And uh, we get lots of requests, you know, can, can we raise a team? And the two we turn to for that are uh, Glyn and, uh, and Rhino, Keith Ryan. And, um, and th- th- he always comes up trumps because he enforces it.
0: <laughs> well, obviously do wish him all the best uh, from us when, Indeed, when you speak yeah. to him as well. And uh, wish him a very really speedy recovery. And uh, hopefully he'll be back on his feet very soon
2: smashing i will do i will pass on your kind regards and from all your listeners as well
1: indeed and thank you as well jdt to you for all that you do and all of the interviews that you've arranged on the wicker Wonder show we are very grateful for your your continued support
2: now uh, we love it uh the the more the better we uh, I, i'm sure that the listenership is uh is mounting every week even if it's just people that you've interviewed <laughs>
1: <laughs> brilliant speech thank you so much Steve, for your time
2: okay right. thanks very much indeed you take care
1: that's john d taylor who is the vice chairman of uh, the wick and wanderers x players association
2: yes obviously we
0: all wish um glenn greaser a speedy recovery and uh, hopefully he'll be as i say back on his feet very soon
1: yeah indeed and just amazing that he's he's then Coming home so quickly after after the event, and it just makes you you know realise how important defibrillators are. Um, and I think we would be completely behind any campaign either that the club or the ex players association um, are planning to to launch with regards to actually getting more defibrillators uh, into to sports grounds uh, and just generally in society. Um, because I know that you and I both struggle when we come up the stairs here at Wickham Sound, um, let, let alone actually playing ninety minutes of football. Definitely. Still to
0: come on this week's Wickham <laughs> Wanderers Show, we'll be chatting live to former defender David McCracken. Uh, as mentioned a little earlier on, we'll hear from Dave Ward, who's the manager of Wickham Wanderers Women, and uh, Gareth Ainsworth uh, will be hearing from him as well ahead of uh, ahead of the game against Oxford this weekend.
1: But first, as mentioned, uh, there has been an international break. There has. Never, never very keen on the international break, because it always seems to come on for ages. And I quite like the fact now that actually in international breaks there were three games. Yes. Which, you know, so so it makes it a little bit more interesting. Um, uh, also, we let, let, let's now have the anis memeti apology section uh because uh, anis memeti apologized this week uh for his sending off against sunderland uh, and also i must apologize because last week i was making out that he was with the full albanian squad but actually that was a lie oh. he's with the under 21 albanian squad how oh, very misleading sorry anis about that uh but yes also he apologized uh for getting into that uh, what you might call altercation with luco nine uh at the stadium of light I wonder if you knew that actually that luke and was a former chair probably not Perhaps that's what started it. Well, maybe yes. Yes, Luke was saying I'm more popular with the fans than you, and you know, and then it was like Ugh. allegedly. Yes. Well, whatever happened. Uh, but yes. So, so Anis has been playing for um, Albania. Uh, TJ Debar, of course, scored uh, a goal for Gibraltar. Although we, I think, we covered that last week. Didn't yes. We? Um, and then he was he was strangely absent from their game against Norway, uh, where they. Th- th- it, it's difficult with Gibraltar because it, you you want to say like where they lost five one and clearly that is true, but. At the same time that seems to be doing them a slight disservice considering that there's only twenty nine thousand people in Gibraltar. So it will be a bit like Norway playing Flackwell Heath and Marlowe. Um, you know, and and really you need to celebrate the fact that they scored one. Absolutely. And ignore the fact that the other team scored five. So in Gibraltar's doing rather well against Norway, where they lost 5-1, but TJ wasn't he wasn't even on the bench. Oh. So I will be finding out. I don't know how much Gareth will tell me about that later on, but I will be finding out where TJ was. Um, and Daryl Horgan, also, of course, he appeared for the Republic of Ireland uh, the other day in their draw with Serbia, came on as a substitute. There is something really
0: nice, isn't there, about the fact that you wouldn't have thought normally that you'd be affected by an international break in
1: League 1 but fantastic that yes. in a way that the game against Ipswich had to be uh, postponed because of that very commitment. Uh, well and, and slightly amazing that th- you know only three games went ahead in League 1 and you do think goodness me is League 1 now going to be such that actually in future we're just going to have the international break off as well because we might as well if if you know if only six teams are you know kind of have their their game going ahead that it doesn't see much point in actually arranging those games. Um, and we have already uh, rearranged, as we said, that Ipswich game. So that's going to be the 2nd of November. We can mention that throughout the show. Can we, yeah, we? <laughs> shall we keep mentioning that as well? Well, and also I notice as well that all of the international breaks are Wickham home games. Mm. So we might have quite a lot of evening matches coming up.
0: Yes. Which is good in a way, isn't it? There's something quite nice about being under the lights. and.
1: Oh, yes, yeah. I mean, I, I, I always prefer it as a fan. Uh, I think it's more exciting going along. on. I love you know, love going on a Saturday afternoon. Of course. It gives you something to look forward to. I think it, it almost goes back to that being at school thing. If you were playing on a Tuesday night, if your was playing on a Tuesday night, it gave you something to look forward to sort of like on the Monday, you know, when you were going back thinking, mm, I don't really want to go back to school, but at least you had Tuesday football to look forward to. So I've always kept that as I like Tuesday night football. At the same time, I think the club would probably much rather... The, a game say against Ipswich was going ahead on the Saturday, just because of the amount of uh, fans that probably our friends from Suffolk would have bought on the Saturday. Probably not quite as many on a Tuesday night.
0: But another opportunity to use the flashing floodlights, as indeed,
1: well. that is true. Yes, and I was slightly disappointed. I might mention this again last week that, that they meant, uh, that they did use the flashing floodlights after the defeat to Aston Villa. And I was I, I did leave leave the ground thinking, no, that's only to be done if we've won. <laughs> looks, mood mood looks, lighting looks a bit naff if we've lost. <laughs> Discussing mood lighting on the yes. day.
0: Yes, if a defeat, you want something low-light to take you into-
1: it. You do, yes. I mean, I'm not quite sure how you could get the lights to maybe do that sort of flashing thing in a slightly sort of, like, depressed way. Uh, I don't think that would quite work. So, no, just, just can we have the lights doing their stuff when we've won?
0: Can we feature more lighting issues on previous <laughs> programmes as well? Uh, on future programmes, <laughs> not previous
1: programmes, we can't do that. That'd Retro- be retrospective lighting. <laughs> That's uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get a, a special guest on for you. Oh, it'd be great. It'd be, be a bit like mid-mornings. <laughs> Which Colin and I also do, actually If you want more of this nonsense, you can hear it every, every weekday morning on Wickham Sound between ten and one Although it's not both of us No,
0: no, we don't do it together Yeah
1: We describe ourselves as co-hosts but we, Yes, <laughs> but we never actually meet
0: <laughs> <laughs> No, not in that co-hosting sort of way But we clearly do do this together uh, Talking of um, guests coming up in the future uh, Very pleased to report that uh, we'll be hearing from David McCracken in a few moments' time here at Wickham Sound You say that we're doing it together
1: But you're about to go now, aren't you? okay, yeah. Yeah, because Colin's got an, uh, an appointment that he couldn't get out of. So I'm actually doing the rest of the show on my own.
0: Bye. Online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM, this is Wickham Sound.
1: It is the Wickham Wanderers show. Not quite sure actually where Colin's gone need to think he works for mi5 or something like that because it's a bit strange that he's disappeared at this time on a thursday night but there you go so it's just me now bob here with you on the wick and wanderer show um but i'm delighted to say uh that almost in a co-host role now for the next 20 minutes uh i'm joined by former player uh david mccracken good evening david thank you so much for joining me good evening bob thanks and it's uh it's great to be on fantastic well really really good to to have you with us um so take us back because it was 2007 when you joined wick and wanderers but before that you had had a very successful career uh playing for dundee united where you even appeared in the uefa cup um so tell us uh what what took you from the from the top flight of scottish football uh to to come and play uh for a little club uh in south buckinghamshire
3: yeah, well, it's you know, looking back, um, I'd been at Dundee United uh, since I left school, done my apprenticeship there for a couple of years, um, and started my professional career there. Uh, I was then there for another uh, nine years or so, um, but during that time, you know, being at the same club for so long, uh, my career had kind of stalled slightly. Um, my progression as a player had. Had stalled as well, playing in the same league against the same players or similar players at different clubs, um, you know, wasn't helping progress me as a player. So um, at the time, there was a new manager brought in, Craig Levine, um, along with his assistant, Peter Houston, who, you know, at that point, the the team, the club weren't in a great shape. Um, We were kind of mid table and, and kind of started to tail away slightly during the season, but. You know, at that point, he didn't want to make any decisions on on contracts or that. But you know, we kind of came to a, a kind of amicable agreement that it was probably the best time for me to leave the club and try and get a new challenge. Um, and that's where that's where Wickham came up. Um, spoke to the manager at the time, Paul Lambert. He looked to get me on loan in the January, which uh, unfortunately fell through. But you know, followed that up by signing in the summer, which was was great news for me.
1: Interesting that you say as well about the, that maybe it got a bit stale at Dundee United I, I've always wondered this about Scottish football that actually the fact that you play uh, league games and you play you play the same team four times in a season does it get a bit like looking at the fixture list and thinking oh goodness me we, we've got to go all the way to Aberdeen or we've got to go down to St Mirren uh, again
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it can be, you know, you can actually end up playing teams up to five or six times if you if you meet them in the cup competitions as well. So, you know, sometimes it does get repetitive. And you know, if similar to myself, if there's players who are coming through the the youth ranks and playing there for four, five, six years, um, you know, consistently, then you know, you're going to be coming up against the same players again. So, you know, I was getting to a period where I was playing against the same players. Some games I was doing fantastic because I knew I would play well against certain players. Then other games, you know, I was having a nightmare um, because of certain players that, that I found hard to play against. So that kind of inconsistent, uh, sorry, inconsistency in my game wasn't helping me any. So, you know, I had to, had to get a change, I had to try something different, yeah.
1: So when Paul Lambert got in touch and said, "Oh, do you fancy coming down to to Wickham?" Did did you know very much about us before that?
3: I'll be absolutely honest. I, I knew nothing about Wickham at that point. Um, only the fact that, that Paul was there. Um, you know, I'd, I'd obviously kind of followed that and, and seen some of that in the the kind of press. But you know, at the time, didn't know anything about the club. You know, where it was based, etc. And um, but you know, the fact that when Paul got in touch. You know, having played against him when he was when he was at Celtic, you know, it was a for me it was a it was a big deal. You know, I'm getting in, in contact um, because he had played against me. He had, he had seen me, um, so there was a there was already a, a massive respect for Paul there at that point. So, you know, it was definitely something that I wanted to pursue. And so,
1: very much it sounds like it, it was about Paul Lambert. So, where, when you then arrived uh, in in High
3: Wycombe, what what were your thoughts? What were your your impressions of the club? Well, you, you know, you you mentioned it in the kind of opening comments there that you know I was leaving the the top league in Scotland to to go to a, a you know a League Two in, in England um, to a, a smaller club, so to speak. But you know that day that I came down to see the club, I was you know absolutely overawed. I couldn't believe the the setup that the club had. Um, you know, own training facilities um, with gym facilities inside, couple of physios. You know, there was a chef. Um, you know, just just the whole kind of setup, and then obviously the, the stadium as well. Um, at the time was was great. seemed very uh, very homely. You know, a very kind of close um, close knit club. But yeah, it, you know, it was it was a, it was miles ahead in terms of even Dundee United where I was at at the time, where we were we were. Possible using two or three different facilities over the course of the same month. You know, using junior pitches or uh, sometimes having a, a training facility, but it wasn't at the stadium. It wasn't. You know, it wasn't ours. We were getting changed at the the, the stadium and then having to go to a different training facility. So, um, you know, that that already for me was a was a step up from where I was at. And what are your memories
1: of that that first season that you were with Wickham uh, when we we just qualified for the the playoffs, or in fact qualified fairly impressively actually? So we finished seventh, but we were uh, nine points clear of Chesterfield in eighth.
3: Yeah, that's right. With a very strong end to the the season in terms of the, you know getting into the playoffs and that, um, it, it, it was great for me. As I said, you know it, it changed me. I was coming up against different, a different type of players. Um, it also changed me in the sense of you know with, with Paul making me club captain it added a, an extra sense of responsibility to my my game and you know me as a person you know it wasn't just myself that i had to think about i now had to think of you know the the players around me um different players in the squad whether they were playing or they weren't involved if they were injured um then also having that contact you know being that kind of go between between the management the coaching staff uh, and the players you know trying to those views and, and points across both ways um, that was that was going to kinda of benefit everyone in the whole. So that was great for me. It changed, you know, it changed me as a person and probably made me mature, to be honest. You know, I was probably and always have been a bit of a uh, you know, a kinda of happy go lucky guy, guy that likes to have a laugh at himself and, you know, make others laugh around about him. But at that point, you know, in terms of my career, I felt as though I had to change. So, you know, over the course of the season that happened. But yeah, it was it was unfortunate at the end of that year that, you know, I think we got put it off of uh, Stockport. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it was it was it was a tough end to the season because for me personally it just felt as though, you know, it was going to happen. You know, it was just a natural progression that we were going to get through the playoffs. and um, because we were in such a, a decent run of form, get into the playoffs, um but but yeah, it was it was a bit of a shock once it just came to a, a kind of abrupt end when we get beat at Stockport. Yeah, and I mean that must be
1: quite quite difficult as well. That actually, then the season just comes to a stop, and that's it. It must, you know, you haven't got then the game on Saturday or Tuesday to actually to sort of bounce back.
3: Yeah, of course, and, and ultimately, as much as you don't want to, you end up still watching and, and you know seeing how Stockport got on, or what you know what happens in the games after that. So that's even worse, um, and that kind of tears you up a bit because you know you're not involved in it, but. You know, even leading from that and into that summer, there was there was obviously a big a big change for the club at the time as well. Um, you know, after Paul took the decision to leave in the, that summer. When you were captain, I mean, you had some some,
1: some great characters in that side as well. Um, Sergio Torres was there. Matt Bloomfield, who of course is still with Wickham yeah. now. Um, you yeah. were even, you know, Neil Lennon in, in his, his short, very short Wickham career was was in that side as well.
3: Yeah, yeah, and and that's. That's the thing, you know, at the time, as I mentioned, being made club captain and you have these uh, these big characters running about you, you know, even, you know, including the likes of Jermaine Easter, you know, Mike Williamson, Russell Martin, who, who were slightly younger at the time, but, you know, as you say, Neil Lennon coming down and, um, you know, the, the experience that he's had and the career that he's had behind him. Uh, and t- to be honest, you know, i seen it as opportunities to, to learn, you know, to, to kind of learn different experiences and you know, constantly asking questions for different situations, um, which I, I felt benefited myself. But, um, you know, it just showed, I think, the calibre of player that the, the club was able to attract at that point as well, um, which was,
1: was great for the club. Yeah, yeah, re- really, really impressive. Um, and so then what what about the second season? How, how was that?
3: Yeah, so as I said, you know that, that summer of change when Paul left, um, I think there was a number of us, just you know, and I admit at the time we didn't know the ins and outs of why he left or his decisions. But you know, I think a few of us that he had signed, we felt you know it was it was kind of personal to us as well because we'd signed due to him being the manager. But you know, as football does, football moves on. You know, and, and Peter came in, Peter Taylor came in, and you know, very quickly, you know, he made contact with myself and, you know, and wanted to have that conversation to see where I was at, where he felt, you know, some of the squad were at, what had happened the previous year and 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 ultimately show and, and kinda of tell me what what his vision was for the next year. Um, you know, so so again, that was that was again that the excitement starts to come back again because you understand the aspirations and the ambitions that he's got. You know, he's he's Coach and manage at a, a massive level, so you know why would you not want to to try and you know have a taste of that? So um, again, you know it was a different structure for for what we had from Paul, um, but at the same time, you know it was it was still on a high level and you know very very structured. Peter done a lot of, um, a lot of research into each team uh, and each you know team we were coming up against and and that you know, that showed in the team that he played and the way he structured uh, the training sessions going on to them at the weekend.
1: Yeah, I mean, where, when you're talking about it, it seems amazing now that actually we were able to attract somebody like Peter Taylor, um, who, of course, had been caretaker manager of England for a little while. He'd managed yeah. at Leicester City and, and, and taken the top of the Premier League for a short while. Uh, you know, it, it seems amazing now that actually, yeah, he was prepared to come to the League Two Wickham.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and that. I would say credit goes to, you know, the guys above, you know, Ivan um, it was chairman at the time and uh, and obviously Steve Hayes yeah. as well, I'm pretty sure, played a, a massive part in that as well. So credit to the guys of, um, you know, making that happen. But yeah, it was, it was, you know, it it started off uh, pretty well, you know, I think Peter brought a, a different kind of structure and, and the players understood, you know, where they where they stood in terms of the, the squad and that he made it quite open and clear that you know no matter how well you were playing or who you were you know in the squad or what part you played, um, you know you could have a run of games where you scored two or three goals or you've had two or three clean sheets or played the best game of your life, it did not matter, whatever team we were coming up against, he was setting up a team to beat them Basically, that that was it. You know, there was no there was no qualms about it. There was no favouritism or anything like that. It was just purely and utterly um, to beat the team that we were uh, coming up against. Uh, and and
1: you were very very good at that as well, ending up finishing third that season and getting promotion.
3: Yes, so you know th- that that kind of structure. Um, I think early on. We didn't see, you know, how that was going to work because the team didn't change much because we were doing so well. And you, know, I think, we went something like maybe eighteen or nineteen games unbeaten, um, along with I think at the time it was Liverpool who were who were the only other team in Europe that who were who are similar, um, you know. And across that season, we probably didn't we weren't, you know, kind of open open teams in terms of, you know, free scoring or that, but, you know, were very hard to beat. I think we'd with an incredible record of clean sheets that year. Um and, and that that probably played a massive part in his getting promotion, you know, because um at the end of the season we did, you know, definitely dip perform form, did dip and questions were being asked and there was a bit of pressure on us to be fair, but you know, fortunately we we held out and, and managed to get that promotion, which was fantastic.
1: Yeah, I I mean when you look at the table you realise actually how fortunate we were. Uh we finished uh seventy eight points, uh, so level with Barry, uh, and basically got promoted by, by plus one goal better uh, than yeah. Berry. So so you can yeah, it must have been pretty nervy towards the end of the season in that dressing room.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that that last game of the season was absolutely torture. Um, you know, when you mentioned that plus one, I'm pretty sure I'm trying to remember who it was that scored. Um actually I think it was myself, aye? I'm not wanting to take credit of that, but <laughs> um but no, as, as I said, you know, over the course of the season we were a very tough team to beat and um to be, you know, and I, you know, to take that defeat at the end of the season. Um, that last game of the season, sorry, when it was so so crucial that we won. But at the same time, the waiting time after that game was torture because our game had finished and they were still playing so we were waiting on their result coming through and you know we'd actually come off the pitch and there was probably a good I think maybe 10 minutes or so Wow. they are waiting to find yeah. out that result and then you know obviously when it came through it was uh, absolute carnage I would say in the, in the changing room and that it was crazy yeah um and so
1: so then you decided to move on so so how did that come about and was that a, a difficult decision to make considering that actually the club had just got promotion
3: Yes it was and you know looking back at the time um it was a very it was a personal personal choice um for me um looking at you know my aspirations are what I wanted to do um, when I came down to England. Um, I had kind of certain career um, points that I wanted to try and reach, and you know, just at that point, there was a, there was a couple of other clubs um, interested in. You know, Steve has you know I need to give him his, his credit. He done everything and everything that he could to try and keep me at the club, which you know I have massive respect for. Um, but again, it you know, and it wasn't about money, you know. Everything that that I took on in the, the kind of coming clubs was matched by by Steve. So you know, and, and I, as I say, I've got massive respect for that. But again, it was just a personal choice that I felt you know moving club and, and moving to um, MK Dons at the time was was a better choice for me. But you know, sometimes you look back in your career and say to yourself, "Well, was it the right choice?" And you know. I, Wickham were such a great club, and unfortunately that year after, you know, the, the boys were relegated again. But again, it was just as I said, it was a personal choice for myself. Uh, I'm sure this doesn't come into
1: it at all. But I, as fans, we we probably looked at that move and thought, oh goodness me, did, you know, could you have gone anywhere else other than the MK Dons? But I'm sure as a player, that doesn't <laughs> come into it at all, does it?
3: No, I know, and that's you know, uh, you know, speaking to a number of fans that that I was. Kinda of, uh, quite close with at the time, you know that was their that was their take on it as well. You know anybody else um, r- other than the MK Dons, but yeah, again it was you know that's that's just the way it kind of worked out. As I said, there was other clubs interested, but you know it got to a point where um, those weren't viable options. Um, so then it became uh, it became a- MK Dons for the choice. Yeah. And
1: I know that then you you went back to Scotland for a little while. Uh, tell us what 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 are you' up to now uh, with, with regards to football?
3: Yeah, so at the moment I've actually took a a, kind of slight break from football. So um, you know, the 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 past kind of three or four years, I went through my kind of you know, obviously retired from playing, but went into the coaching through um, Peterhead, then uh, took on the the manager's job at Falkirk, one of my previous clubs as well, which was was great. You know, it was a great start out, and um, some great things went on at at Falkirk. Unfortunately, um, you know. get let go at the end of last season. But, you know, it just kinda took a wee bit of time out. I'm now uh, I've started my own property business, um, which, you know, is it's took a couple of months to get moving, but it's 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 going great now and I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving it. And it's you know, it's something away from football that, that I feel I can build over the next kind of twenty or so years, 20, 30 years. Um, you know, but once once football an opportunity comes back, then you know, I'm definitely going to get back into it. You know, yeah. it's just one of those things that it's it's in your blood and you want to be in, involved. Um, but you know, it's got to be the right thing.
1: Yeah, of course. I, I would imagine, say, if Dundee United came knocking and said, "Oh, do you fancy being the manager?" You, you'd probably struggle to turn that down.
3: Of course, absolutely, you know, and it's, it's opportunities like that that, you know, you can't turn down, um, you know, and, and as I say, any opportunities that, that come up, um, you know, whether someone approaching me or on me looking at it and thinking, right, you know, it's it's one that I want to try and get, then I'll absolutely be doing that, yeah. And so when you look back on your time at Wiccan Wanderers, what, what,
1: what are the, the, the main memories?
3: But for me, you know, it was, you know, from the, the get-go, I think um, it, it's a massive family club. You know, it's a very, very close club and, um, you know, it made me, me and my family at the time, feel very, very welcome. Um, you know, the boys in the change room helped settle, settle me quickly and, and I think, you know, for me, that was obviously my first move in my career. So it was very strange for me. You know, normally I was the one that was that was a regular or someone in the changing room that was welcoming somebody in at Dundee United um, but you know roles had reversed there so it was great to be in a position where the, the players that were, had been at Wickham for a year or two or a couple of years um, they were very welcoming um, and it, that's that's what can I can always remember you know for for the players to, to Mark the chef at the time to Steve Hayes you know right through to um, Jim Gardner you know and the kick guys in the, and the guys in the office everybody you know everybody just wanted to do well for each other and, and that's that's always what I'll be I'll be taking away from that and
1: mm-hmm. um, what do you think of the, the job that Gareth Ainsworth is doing with the club at the moment
3: Oh incredible. You know, the past past couple of years have been absolutely amazing. You know, I still speak to, to Blooms now and again and, you know, obviously spoke to him at the time of promotion into championship. That was that was outstanding. You know, that was absolutely amazing what what the um what Gareth and the boys had done. So, you know, here's hoping that this this year there can be that that similar bounce-back effect, so to speak, um, because it was great for everybody, you know, looking looking from from the outside in, um, you know, everybody involved with the club. It's just a, such a special thing. And I know that everybody involved in the club, you know, how hard they work, um, to achieve those things, and you know, that was very well deserved. So, here's hoping you know, this year's a, another successful year.
1: Well, it's been absolutely brilliant speaking to you and hearing you reminisce about your times at Adams Park. Uh, David McCracken, thank you very much for joining us on the Wicked Wanderer show this
3: evening. Thank you very much, Bob. It's been a pleasure.
0: Online, on Radio Player,
1: and on 106.6 FM, this. Part three, or extra time as we call it, on the and Wanderers show. Bob here with you tonight. We're not quite sure where Colin has disappeared to. Many, many thanks to David McCracken for speaking to us. Really, really enjoyed that. Uh, still to come on the programme, we we'll be hearing from the Chairboys boss, Gareth Ainsworth. If you think that football for the men's and Wanderers side uh, has been disrupted over the last 18 months or so, we'll spare a thought for Wiccan Wanderers women um, who have had their season basically um, completely annulled uh, for two seasons running. Finally... Hopefully, fingers crossed, um, things are about to get going again. I'm delighted to say that joining us now uh, is the manager of the Wickham Wanderers women's side, Dave Ward. Hello, Dave. Hi, Bob. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, so, yeah, I think it's fair to say you, you, you've had a, a rough couple of seasons, really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been quite
4: quite a challenge, I have to say, um, yeah. filled with... Uh, all sorts of highs and lows really um when we look at the the first season uh, when where we were disrupted we had managed to get through to a, a cup final um and that couldn't be played because of the uh first lockdown um and then last season we started very brightly um and then locked down again uh just after the middle of december uh so consequently yeah it's been very stop start so uh yeah, looking forward to this season and uh, far more optimistic about having a full and complete season, which uh, I think will benefit everyone.
1: Yeah, I, I can only imagine what it must be like as well to have those competitions annulled when you're then watching uh, you know, so many other competitions actually continuing. But fingers crossed then for this season, you know, it, it is looking like, yeah, everything is going to go ahead. Yeah, absolutely.
4: Um, you know, we're, we're looking forward to it. Uh, we've had... Uh, A bit of a stop-start pre-season. We've had some interruptions due to COVID right at the beginning of pre-season in July. And clearly we've got players taking advantage of having some holidays, long weekends, having been locked down for so long. So, I, you know, it, it has made things a little bit more stop-start than I would have normally have liked. But uh, I think we have to give the, the players an opportunity to do what they need to do for their own well-being. Thankfully, we're all available for this coming Sunday's league opener. So,
1: uh, absolutely delighted with the way things have gone so far. Fantastic. For those who don't know, tell us whereabouts in the, the women's football pyramid at Wickham Wanderers Women Play. Well, we, we sit at the fifth tier. Uh, you've got the Women's Super League, uh, followed by the Women's Championship, and then you
4: come into the National League setup. And we are one tier below the National League setup. There's only one promotion uh, spot per season from each of the regional leagues. So it makes it highly competitive. And it also means that you can't really afford to drop more than one or two points across the season if you're going to have any chance of gaining promotion
1: which I would imagine makes it almost a little bit like being in the Premier League sort of like top four or five, uh, knowing that actually maybe you can only lose one game a season. That, That must make things quite tough, particularly for you as the manager.
4: Yes, it does because you can't uh, legislate for injuries, and you 've got to hope that the the strength of depth in the squad is good enough to cope with that but it's it's all about how consistently a team can perform uh, at the highest level in, 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 in at this level of football and uh, quite clearly we 're setting ourselves up to try and uh, do that. Uh, whether or not we do it this season who knows but our intention is always to go out and to win every game and I think the squad of players that I've managed to pull together for this season uh, are capable of
1: doing that on their day so realistically promotion is is a possibility for this season that's what you're going for
4: I think it's a possibility, um, but what we can't disregard are the teams such as Moneyfields and Dabbington United in particular, who have been particularly strong rivals over the last two seasons. And I know Moneyfields uh, feel a little bit hard done by it, not having successfully gained through the promotion pool National League status this season. Um especially as there's a gap in the uh, division above us, which would have allowed them to move into. But for whatever reason, the FA decided that that wasn't going to happen. So we've got a very strong uh, couple of contenders up against us. Uh, and We can't mite off the other sides either, because uh, it's quite clear from some of the early fixtures in the, in the league, which took place last week, um, very close games, and uh, some unknown quantities such as Abingdon Town and
1: our opponents this Sunday Eastley in the community. For those who don't know too much about the women's game, what's the difference in the setup, Dave, between the men's and women's Wiccan Wanderers sides?
4: There's a huge difference um, in terms of how we prepare. We don't have uh, the opportunity to train every day, we only train once a week at the moment. But these are players that are playing primarily for the enjoyment of the sport. But ultimately, they're all winners and they want to play at the highest level they can. So it does become highly competitive. They're every bit as serious as any of their professional counterparts for that, I'm sure. And we do have some natural winners in there and we've got some very talented female footballers.
1: I mean again it strikes me that actually that it must make your job quite difficult though because it very much you haven't got um, in the way that say Gareth Ainsworth has a, a contracted squad who you're looking after and you're seeing every day and really interesting that you're even saying things with regards to pre-season that actually you're sort of having to work around people's holidays and whatever uh, which Gareth Ainsworth is not having to worry about. It doesn't have to worry in quite the same way
4: But again, you know, these players are strictly amateurs and uh, they are doing it for the love of the sport, but also to try and, as I say, achieve the highest level they can. Um, And obviously, as you move up through the tiers, it becomes that bit more professional. There's more money involved. Players are on contracts. So therefore,
1: it becomes a lot more akin to the men's semi-professional game. Is one of the stated aims for the club actually to try and get promotion eventually to the, the National League?
4: Yes, and that's the whole reason for having restructured how the club is managed and, and run now. We've got very close links with the Supporters Trust Board. And in fact, Nigel Kingston chairs our management board now. We've got Tony Hector on board. We've also got Bob Massey from the Trust Board. They're actually working with us very closely to ensure that the team is in or the club, uh, from the female perspective, is in a strong, sustainable position moving forward. So we've got the right management um, arrangements behind the scenes, as well as having the right management and coaching arrangements in place for dealing with players. So what we've been able to do this season, which has been a lot of hard work, but it's uh, been successfully achieved, is to resurrect a reserve team. We've taken on a new group of under-18s this season, and they had a very encouraging start at the weekend, Uh, in their league with
1: 13 nil victory i was gonna say i did i did notice that that was was quite eye-opening it was like wow goodness me 13 (laughs) nil that's that's not bad for your first game of the season and most of the young ladies that are playing in that
4: team are 16 years of age so they're two years young for that age group so it, it was an incredible performance Um, and one that sets the bar very high for both the reserve team and for our first team. Um, So whether or not we can win 13-0 on Sunday is debatable, but uh, we'll certainly be having a good go to make sure that we get all three points.
1: And it must be wonderful as well to actually know that you've got those girls in your under-16 team who will hopefully then come into the first team. Yeah,
4: there's no doubt that some of the, t- the talent in that new under-18 squad is exceptional. It's important for us in terms of how we develop those youngsters to ensure that they're capable of making the transition into senior female football. You know, the old adage still means true that if they're good enough, they're old enough. Once they're 16, if they are good enough, they will get opportunities
1: uh, to play in either the reserves or the first team. How do you find and source new players? Is it very much through things like trials? What we did um, this year, we
4: did um, quite a lot of uh, publicity and advertising. To a large extent, that's been successful in helping me to bring some very good players into the squad. From last season's squad, I've lost six players. Two who have had to retire through injury, unfortunately. Two who are still on the injured list. Uh, In fact, our skipper Charlotte Bagshaw, who is well known to the show, has just had her first um, cartilage operation and she's waiting for that to be reassessed because there's uh, a doubt that her ACL is strong enough to play at the moment, so she may need uh, a reconstruction on that as well, which will probably see her not play again this season. I've lost those four players. I've got two that have moved on to our big rivals, Abingdon United. Replacing the quality of those players has been quite a challenge for us. So far, we've done pretty well with the, the recruitment. Um, so I've brought in some very good players and in fact, I've, I've pinched one back from Abingdon United, who I think is a very good young player in Taylor um who's a very strong, competitive and technically gifted uh, central midfielder.
1: What about our uh, spectators this season? Because I know very much last season or, or when you have been playing in the last couple of seasons, it has been that actually it's had to be behind closed doors like so many other football matches. Uh, what's the, the situation with that this season? Well, the situation is that spectators are welcome. Again, what we're trying to do is
4: to encourage people to maintain a bit of of distance because we don't know who's been vaccinated and who who hasn't. Um, There is enough open space for people to come and watch the game quite comfortably. There's no entrance fee. So the the more the merrier
1: that get behind us, the better. So that's a two p.m. kickoff this Sunday for Wickham Wanderers Women against Eastleigh, and it's being played at the Bucks College Group's Wickham Campus in Flackwell Heath on Spring Lane, the postcode HP10 9HE. And Dave goes without saying, as many people wearing those light and dark blue quarters as possible will be very welcome that would be absolutely wonderful the players and the
4: coaching staff and myself would really appreciate all the support that we can get it's important for everyone to get behind us and to help the players through to know that they're supported by the main body of the club there is some very good football played at the level we play at what I would always ask is that people don't come along and try and compare it like for like with men's football because it's different in terms of its physicality and its pace and its power but in terms of the technical uh, ability and the desire to compete and to win games it's the same game It's just played by women. It's a bit of a spectacle, and we have got some very talented players that uh, I think might make a few
1: people's jaws drop. And thank you very much to Dave Ward, the manager of Wickham Wanderers Women. And from the women to the men's team, earlier on today, I went up to the training ground and spoke to Chairboys boss, Gareth Ainsworth. So we've had the international break. Is is that a welcome break, or does it actually get in the way of the, the momentum of the season?
5: No, it's a welcome break. You know, we, we actually wanted it, uh, funnily enough. For the first time, Wickham had three internationals, Anis, Darrell and, and, and TJ, obviously, and, uh, and uh, that enabled us to... to have the option to call the Ipswich game off now. Um, with the injuries we had and with the squad stretched like it was, you know, we've never had so many contact injuries at the start of the season. And you know, the physios do a great job, but they can't help contacts, you know. And Nick and Jack Wakeley and and just coming back, and and you know McCarthy and uh, it, it, Stuart, it's It was uh, it was a good call, I think, to get these boys back for for the games coming up because they've got a hell of a schedule now with the uh, with the League Cup success and. Um, I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into it but I needed that probably that weekend off um, although I didn't take it off I was at Wimbledon, Oxford um, just uh, just to, to regroup and, and obviously training was important get some more messages into the boys new boys that have come in um, but really we're uh, really looking forward to Oxford now and uh, you know we want to keep on playing the way we're playing because uh, I thought we were good at Sunderland um, don't shout at the radio people because we were okay it was both boxes that cost us and I understand that but um We've been a lot worse at Sunderland in uh, in, in recent years, and uh, and that was definitely a, a step forward. So I, I thought you were phenomenal in the first 15 minutes. You, I was sitting there thinking, oh, goodness me, it's, you know, it looks like it's going to be three or four now. Yeah, very similar to Oxford at Wimbledon last Saturday when I was there. Oxford really had some good chances, and if think if they'd have scored the first goal earlier, um, it could have been a different game or, or a couple, you know. And I think we had a couple of chances that we we just. Fell short of hitting the target or converting, um, and we've been working on that. But um, Sunderland obviously got the first goal. The fans were behind him and uh, and you know what happens up there. But um, again, proud of the boys, really proud of the efforts, and I'm sure the fans who are up there would would be saying the same. Well, we started really well, and if we'd have finished the game like that, which we actually did, you know, with David Wheeler and Bale playing well, um, I think the fans would. They've got a, a real balanced view on that. No, no longer the. Uh, the fans coming home absolutely disgruntled and slagging everyone off and uh, they actually are little tweaks here and then and how could we get maximum points this season and uh, and that's great that's great to hear because um we're close we're not far off a, a, a real good challenging squad I've had some great backing uh, as always off, off the Keurigs and uh, looking forward to seeing what we can do starting Saturday against Oxford. How are the players that were on international duty? Uh notice
1: particular TJ you, uh didn't play in the Gibraltar game against Norway.
5: Yeah, T J uh I think picked a yellow card up actually. I think he uh he might have been suspended for that one. Um he's okay. He'll have a little run out uh, in in a game uh in a, in a sort of a, a reserve trialist game, um, we'll give him a run out to get his legs going again. Daryl, I think, played a good amount of minutes for Ireland. Um, you know, played was on the pitch for both their equalisers in their games, so, so great moments for him. Um, and Anis, uh, a yeah, little bit gutted um, that Anis didn't get more minutes because uh, obviously he's, he's a superstar in the under 21s at Albania. But I think they, they gave some younger boys a chance, and, uh, and that really was disappointing for Anis. Uh, and, and obviously the double whammy with his with his banners. As well, you know which we, you know, we totally accept. You know, you can't, you can't um, do what he did on the pitch. But obviously, it was, it was a huge provocation, and uh, and we understand that as well. But um, we, uh, we 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 want to make sure that all those boys come back. They're ready to uh, to jump in the squad when needed. And uh, and Daryl especially has played a big part um, in in the game so far as Azanis, but he'll be he'll be unavailable now. So we, uh, yeah, we we totally on that. The medical team looking after all the the. The protocol they have to go through getting back in the country. We're not having any Brazil Argentina situations, you know. So um, we uh, we're happy where we are. And, and as I said, the, uh, the 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 boys who were injured, McCarthy, Stewart, and they're all back now. And uh, and that's great for me to have a, a strong squad to select from for Saturday. And so Oxford United,
1: uh, it's, it's not quite Blackburn against Burnley, but it, it's pretty feisty, um, our, our friends up the M40, not least because of obviously the last time we played them was in the playoff final.
5: Yeah, um, and now we mention Blackburn-Burnley, please do not ever dismiss any, anyone, I know you haven't, but uh, anyone listening, don't dismiss that derby, that is a... That is a a hell of a derby up there, you know, and, uh, and people don't realize how far that one goes back. Um, I've been, uh, been some cracking games in that one. Um, and as you say, this one, geographically, we can't out where we are. Right? Oxford can't out where they are. All right. We don't go back to the early 1900s with our derby and our, our, uh, you know, Oxford had their own rivals. We have our own rivals, but this is the M40 derby. This is two close proximity teams, uh, with a little bit of history as well. And, uh, and I love it. I think that's, that's football, you know. If we had to travel two hours every time to play, and it was, you know, we could only take a handful of fans, then football would be rubbish. We're going to take a good amount of fans to Oxford. There's, uh, there's obviously the, the Wembley uh, game was the last game we played. Um, there'll be some players who played in that, some who haven't, and uh, and some who won't know what this derby means. Sometimes, you know, and, and believe me, the the more and more games we've played against Oxford recently, I think the more the more this game has, has 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 got spice to it. It's great, you know, it really is. There's no malice, there's nothing bad about it and Oxford Hate has been probably classed as a because they think we're this smaller team down the road. But listen, we uh we're really happy to be there and we're really we're really looking forward to competing and showing showing everyone the Wickham that that is growing out of Rob and Pete Coig's investments, you know, and and I think uh I think the more people still keep us as this little team, the better for me. Because uh, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of teams underestimate us, um, but we're, we're firing well. I'm really pleased where we are and uh, looking forward to Saturday. Finally, uh, Wickham
1: legend Lynn Creaser uh, obviously had a cardiac arrest on Sunday. Uh, luckily, everything seems to be be good, and uh, it is being talked about that he's he's leaving hospital at any time now. Have you got a message for him?
5: Uh, well. Uh, i'll uh i'll just reiterate the text message i sent him uh two days ago which is you've always been a fighter glenn and uh and this isn't going to beat you i'll tell you that i know you're going to be back stronger um and just to let him know that the wiccan family's thinking about him you know he's a a legend of wiccan wanderers and uh and you can't um you can't help feel we've lost a few in the last two years a few absolute legends you know names that probably some of the younger fans won't won't know, not know what they did, or who they were, but um, this club won't be where it was for, for the likes of Glenn Creaser and so the Wickham boys and the and the Wickham staff are thinking about you mate and uh, get well soon Indeed, very well said Gareth Ainsworth, that
1: is it from the Wickham Wanderers show this week, Colin fingers crossed will be back next week Wickham of course playing Oxford United on uh, Saturday as Pete Kuhig would say, up
2: the wick